Well, thank you, Pastor Zach, and uh, I too am looking forward to Wednesday night if you're able to come and be a part of just a gathering. You know, Joe and team, I want to thank you for uh, leading us in worship. I <clears throat> was standing there with the declaration as Andrew was building it out of great are you, Lord. And uh, there's something about us being able to come together in corporate worship, and we've um, not been able to do that, um, but Wednesday we can. And I want to encourage you to come and uh, let's belt it out how great the Lord is together one with another because he's sustaining us through some uh, very unique uh, months of our lives. And uh, I believe that, you know, God's shifting some things and we'll be talking about a little bit on Wednesday, but uh, who knows, maybe we'll be able to be back together before uh, too long uh, on a Sunday morning. Um, I want to invite you to pray with me as we step back in to this series that we launched last week. Lord, may your Holy Spirit work its way through virtual means, but in real means, because we know your Spirit's there in the homes of each and every person right now. And Lord Jesus, we ask that you would speak to us this day. Speak to us this hour. Lord, for all the commotion that goes on in our life, we need a place of sanctuary, a place set apart for your holy presence. And Lord, as we worship you, we lift our voice to you to sing. But Lord, now we lift our hearts, open hearts to you to receive from you your instruction for us individually. And Lord, for your instruction for us, maybe as a family or for as a couple, Lord, we ask that you would speak through your spirit because we know that you are ever present where those gather to meet in your name. Amen and amen. Well, you know, I, uh, I really had a fun time last week kicking off the series, and maybe you were able to catch the recap of it or whatever. But uh, we mentioned last week just the excitement of being able to run through a tunnel onto a stadium or maybe out of a locker room onto a basketball court or to stand behind uh, a curtain before it's raised for the production of music or play, whatever, to go on. And there's this sense of, uh, of excitement that begins to build and then games on, games on. And so I want us to uh, be encouraged that we are not in the process of treading water or waiting things out, that we need to be upping our game because when game's on, we need to have upped our game and be able to match the challenge at hand. And so that's why last week we started this series entitled Up Your Game, but in particular referring to uncommon practices for greater life impact. Now last week we looked at authoritative prayer. Do you recall what we said? We said no wimpy prayers, that we take on the authority of the Lord and we ask in the name of Jesus Christ and we come boldly before him because we've been given that access. And I encouraged you to do some homework last week on this authoritative prayer practice. How did you do? Did you accomplish it? 15 minutes, maybe four or five times a week. Five minutes just in communion with God. Another five minutes just really seeking to hear and listen from God. A lot of times we head into prayer and we just sort of lay out all of our stuff rather than seeking to listen and to hear from God. And then five minutes to boldly intercede and pray, whether for our needs or the needs I was hoping of other people. And uh, I had a challenge in my own life this week, as I mentioned last week, to pray for one of my relatives. And the Lord reminded me time and time again, you pray and you pray authoritatively and you pray boldly. 
because uh, the practice of authoritative prayer, though it's uncommon because prayer is not necessarily uncommon, but authoritative prayer, taking on the authority we've been given if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and defeating the enemy is not something we're comfortable with. We like to talk to God. We don't like to talk to the enemy. And we don't like to declare things because we're a little sheepish about should we really be declaring that. But some of the stuff we're going to look at today is going to build into this aspect of authoritative prayer. It's another practice that I'm going to explain in a second. But in particular, I, I really believe it's almost that second five minutes of the 15 minutes that, that we're going to uh, be enveloping today. Because I want us to be able to hear from the Lord that we would pray in His name. And when we pray in His name, we are praying in His will. But to pray in His will, we have to be able to hear and discern from Him. And a lot of times there's so much commotion going on in our minds or we have our own selfish interests and passions that we're really praying in our will and not in His will. But if we discern the will of the Lord to pray boldly, then we should pray boldly and we should not hesitate um, to run out on the field well-equipped to play the game and to serve the kingdom of God's purposes each and every week. I trust you will be able to put that practice into place. Yes, kids are heading back to school, virtual means. Took my daughter to high school this week to get all of her books and assignments, and she's got her computer, and she's set, and she's ready to go here starting tomorrow. But I think a lot of times that uh, maybe I should have you guys come in and I could pass out books or assignments or maybe go online because I want you to become better equipped. And so really this series... Uh, Though it's inspirational, uh, I want it to be practical. And the common practice we're going to look at today is probably very practical. And it is very well one of those practices that, um, well, you may not want to do. That's why it's uncommon. I have a question for you. Have you ever uh, caught yourself talking to yourself? Maybe you observed a, a parent growing up that would talk to themselves, and you're like, what, is what are they doing? What are they talking about? And you would kid them or chide them. But maybe as you grow older, you started to discover that maybe you're talking to yourself. Or maybe you don't even have to be old, or maybe you're young, and you just sort of talk out loud to yourself, and, and people will look and they observe with you and go, what's going on? Why are you doing that? Well, I want you to know that... Uh, Though it may seem a little strange to talk out loud to yourself, all of us have an internal dialogue that's going on with us all the time. You're talking to yourself, whether it's out loud or not. And what you're hearing inside of your head uh, can be good things, but a lot of times they're just bad things. They're bad things that uh, sort of are demeaning to you or like you'll never measure up. I'll never be able to accomplish that or somebody will never end up loving me. And then you think, well, what should I do on that? And you're sort of in your own little zone inside your headspace talking to yourself. I want you to know that part of the challenge of this, which I want to look at today is to affirm that it's okay to talk to yourself, but I want you to talk back to yourself and I want you to talk back to yourself in a means that will help strengthen your identity for who you are as an individual there's voices from all around us is there not 
Sometimes I get really concerned when somebody's going through a deep challenge in life or if there's a marriage in crisis. And one of the first questions I might ask somebody if I'm meeting with them is, what are other people telling you? And I'm just amazed how people will say, well, this person says I just need to you know, walk away from it, and this person says hang on. or what? And I'm just amazed by the, the counsel, if you will, that comes from other people around us and how oftentimes that counsel is really not all that great. And then I wonder, well, who, who's speaking into this person's headspace concerning what really needs to be done? Or who's speaking into this person's headspace with some type of uh, a biblical worldview? You see, you're talking to yourself. You just looked at somebody else in the room smiling because they've caught you talking to yourself. But I want you to talk back to yourself. But I don't want you to talk back to yourself with just common, uh, everyday kind of uh, whimsical, maybe wisdom or cute thoughts. I want you to talk back to yourself concerning the authoritative word of God. Because that's what needs to frame our reference for who we are in Christ. In fact, I want to have us look at a couple passages here. These are interesting. This is a psalmist in Psalm 42. The psalmist says, My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? Have you been in tears? Have they been your food day and night? Are people around you? It's like, oh, I, thought, I thought God was going to help them out, but man, that's, that's going bad for them, right? Here the psalmist is in this disposition. He goes on and says this, These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Now I find this verse very interesting for the season that we're in because it's like, oh yeah, I remember when we used to all be able to come to the house of God and, and, and sing praise. Well, come Wednesday night and uh, let's pray for that God moves heaven and earth, and we're able to come back on Sunday mornings. But uh, these things I remembered as I pour out my soul. A lot of our talking to ourselves is uh, talking about our woes, our discouragements, our worries, right? Uh, my household gets tired of me saying the verse, do not, you know, uh, each day has enough worries of its own, right? You're like, I, I know, I know. Well, what's in your headspace? Your headspace is you're worrying, you're worrying. And this psalmist was pouring out his soul. But then look what it says. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? So the person's headspace has this dialogue going on. All these woes, I'm missing out. Uh, my tears are my food these days. But why, soul, why, why are you downcast and so disturbed within me? And then what the psalmist does is the psalmist talks back to himself. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Isn't that nice little snippet out of the Psalms there? Here's a psalmist complaining, dialoguing. He's got this internal thing going on. And then he reminds himself, oh yes, I will put my hope in God. I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Look at this passage in the book of Lamentations, which you probably don't go to very often. Um, it says this, my soul is bereaved of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished. So has my hope 
from the Lord. Same kind of disposition, downtrodden, things are being spoken from others and wells, the person speaking these things into their own heart and their own soul. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. So the writer, the artist here is saying, wait a second, this is my predicament. The voice is coming into my head. From others, my own voice, or maybe the voice of the adversary speaking directly to you, pauses and stops and say, this is I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. And what's it going to say? Just sort of some uh, pop psychology or some type of, you know, whimsical thought they read online or something? No. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. I don't know about you, but I go, oh, that's a waterfall of fresh, cool water in my life. This is my predicament. My circumstances aren't changing. My headspace is headed towards worry and fret and discouragement and beating myself up. But I am going to talk back to myself and remind myself that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. I'm going to remind myself of the character of God. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, this very morning when I'm worrying or I'm concerned. Great is your faithfulness, O God. Therefore, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. I will hope in him. Your headspace, your talking points back to yourself, need to be anchored in the sovereignty of God, your identity in Christ, the character of God, and the promises of God. Where do you find those words? Well, friend, you find those words in the Scriptures. You find the words in the Scriptures, and God also speaks to you a direct word at times. But, friends, the ability to hear the direct word of God is directly connected to your ability to know the written word of God. And what you do with that written word, the word of the Most High God, is you reorder your headspace with His word. I believe it was Beth Moore that made mention, and I remember my wife walking through this in some earlier years of her life when she was overcoming some challenges, that you need to wallpaper the rooms of your mind with truth. I want to encourage you to jump in and do that as an uncommon practice. Why? Because as it says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I, um, I try to grasp for ways to relate what we're currently going through with maybe things that have happened elsewhere historically uh, and this week I came across somebody who had uh, been doing a study of A.W. Tozer. A.W. Tozer was a alliance pastor 
at Southside Alliance Church in Chicago uh, from, I believe it was uh, 1928 when he first started his pastorate there. And, and he wrote a lot um, of works. He actually used to be the main editor for our denominational magazine, The Alliance Life. And today, some people refer back to A.W. Tozer, who passed away two years after I was born in 1963 as a prophet before his time. Well, A.W. Tozer, when he was on the south side of Chicago, he didn't go through something like we've gone through with the pandemic, where everything sort of turns on its wheels uh, after 20 hours, it seemed like, back in March. But over a course of 20 years, there started to be a much more decadent aspect that was happening on the south side of Chicago. There was a transition, a lot of people just up and moving out. Crime rate was raised. In fact, they couldn't hold Sunday night service because of that. The transportation systems were shut down a lot, and that mattered to somebody like A.W. Tozer, who never owned a car in his life. And uh, he became discouraged in many type of ways, trying to navigate through uh, those challenging days. And um, here are some words I want to share with you that come from one of his last message series he actually ever did in Chicago in 1959. He then moved somewhere else for a period of just a few years up in Toronto. But he says this uh, in uh, a work that's written uh, that refers to a, a, a cloud by day and a fire by night. We need to relax a bit, turn away from the noise of the world, and listen to the voice of God because He has everything put together. He has prepared for us a place of service and ministry and will open the necessary doors despite the obstacles and the confusion we may experience during the journey. I need to quiet my heart in order to hear God's direction. This must become a daily discipline for all of us. It is too easy and convenient to trust human inclinations. We gravitate toward earthly methods. We want human understanding. As a culture, we have become addicted to devices and technology. However, those who refuse to trust in these human inclinations and devices are the ones who have their ears open to hear the voice of the Lord. And they say A.W. Tozer was a prophet before his time. It's these kind of quotes sometimes are like, what, back in 1959 he was concerned about devices and technology and us being addicted to it? Oh my goodness, what would he say today if he was walking around and watching all of us on our phones or our gadgets or whatever it may be? And he's saying that the human inclination is, is to dial into, uh, if you will, earthly, worldly wisdom or to be preoccupied, but what we need to do is have our ears opened to hear the voice of God. I debated what sort of to title this common practice or even this message, and I went back and forth on several things. Uh, one, I, I thought I just needed to just declare that it's a, a vocalized scripture that I want us to do. But I had a conviction about what to share on this Sunday, and it hasn't dissipated from me. And so last week we talked about authoritative prayer. I really have this conviction that what I need to lay before you, and when I put it up here, you're going to go, oh no, is for all of us. 
to give some heed to. And that is the uncommon practice of memorized scripture. Now, the reason I hesitate this is because each of us are wired different ways. Some of us are good at recall. Others of us are not good at recall. But I want to explain something to you about memorized scripture that can be a powerful additive into your life to hear the vocal voice of God every day. To tune out some of the noise in the business of the world and hear the voice of God. Sure, I could have uh, taken our time today and talk about Scripture and reading Scripture and meditating on Scripture, and that is of high regard. But there's something about an uncommon practice of memorizing Scripture that I want to exhort us on today. I grew up hearing this verse. In fact, I've seen it written in the beginning of a Bible by people that have been presented a Bible. And it's this verse from Psalm 119.11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Have you ever heard that verse? I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And that is so, so true. Do you remember when Jesus began his ministry? Did he start it with a big show? Did they fire up the video cameras then? Did they put it live stream? No. When Jesus started his ministry, which was probably around the age of 30, he spent 40 days in the wilderness fasting, not eating anything, probably drinking whatever, 40 days. And when he was in those 40 days, he was communing with the Father, but also what was happening in those 40 days. Do you remember? It's in Luke chapter 4. In those 40 days, he was tempted by Satan. He was tempted by the devil. And in those 40 days, he had to learn a practice and an activity that he carried with him through his life here on this earth, but which I believe he's also exhorting us to. And it's that he was using scripture, vocalizing scripture, scripture that he had hidden in his heart, if you will, to speak back, to talk back, not to himself, but to talk back to Satan. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And what happened? Do you remember? He spoke Scripture. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Then the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. And it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me with all, uh, it will all be yours. And what Jesus do? He answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. Now, I find this interesting. Satan tried to flip it around. So, oh, you're going to use the word? Then I'll use the word. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. 
He was tempting Jesus to call on the angels to circumvent the will of God for the destiny, the journey for which Jesus Christ came here on this earth, which was to live, to die, and be raised from the grave to defeat Satan. But what did Jesus do? Jesus answered, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Satan didn't stop there. He went behind the scenes, continuing to thwart this activity of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God Himself on earth. But how did Jesus deal with the temptations and the accusations and the voice coming to Him from Satan? He went to the Word of God and He says, it is written. Now, I'm not saying that the Bible, there's not something magical about a bunch of bound pages with leather. But this written word reflects the spoken authoritative word of God. Have you ever wanted Jesus to show up on your scene and deal with the situation at hand? To take care of a matter? Maybe there's a fight going on. Maybe it's being misunderstood by somebody and you have no defender. You want Jesus there almost. You're just like, well, he knows. He knows that he knows. And he knows all things. Well, friends, when you speak the authoritative word of Scripture, you are speaking the word of God into a situation. But so many times we do not have the word of God with us to be able to address the temptation in the moment. It is written. It is written. It is said. Jesus was very mindful of needing to use the word of God. And he went back and based his authority upon that. And he was able to make headway. John 15, 7 says this. Jesus himself. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. It will be done for you. Whatever you wish is in the will of the Father as you have communion with him. But he's saying here, you need to abide in me and my words need to abide with you. And that word is a word that you can read. I understand that. It's a word that you can hear from someone else. But there's a marked difference when you hide the word of God in your heart and that word can raise up in your spirit and your soul in some very unique times and go, that's the truth my soul needed right now. The steadfast love of the Lord never ends. His mercies are new every morning. And it's there. Now, I understand sometimes it's difficult to retain. Trust me, I'm aging and I don't retain things as quickly as I used to in many ways. But it's no excuse not to work at the practice of memorizing Scripture and hiding God's Word in my heart. And the reason I decided to stay with the memorized scripture as the common practice today and not vocalize scripture or reading scripture is because I believe this to be very, very true. It's been my experience and I've had the opportunity and the blessing and the help of the Lord through many years of my life, going back to high school, of being able to memorize scripture. And I believe with this with my whole heart. The act of scripture memorization increases meditation on God's Word, creates greater intimacy with Christ, and amplifies the Spirit's voice 
inside my head each day. Do you believe that? Now here's the reason why it's important to consider believing this. Because this practice of memorizing scripture, it's just boring, mundane, useless, and really discouraging. Unless you have this goal in mind. To know that memorizing scripture is going to help you to meditate on the word of God to know him. To be drawn into intimacy with Christ. And then to have his voice, the spirit's voice, amplified in your head. I want to share with you my journey. The first time I was ever encouraged to truly try to memorize scripture. Encouraged by the Holy Spirit, I believe, is when I was sitting I don't know if it was my junior year or senior year in high school, but I was sitting in the uh, lunchroom auditorium kind of area for uh, an awards banquet for a club I was a part of called FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I believe that's what it was. And, and uh, I was sitting back, and they had a speaker come in uh, before they handed out some of the uh, affirmation and awards and sort of talked about you know, how um, Christ can be center in our life. And a guy walked in dressed in a, I guess, a biblical kind of robe. Now, part of you is, hey, your high school kid's like, hey, this is a little cheesy. What was this guy doing? The guy stood to the front of our room, and he began to speak as if he was the Apostle Paul, quoting Paul's words from one of his epistles. And I was amazed. I was amazed that he had the ability to quote that much, but then I'm like, well, when's he just going to sort of talk to us, be himself? And he didn't. I don't know how long he spoke for, but it was all scripture. It was all animated in one sense as coming from the apostle Paul himself. And then the guy left. Something happened to me as I listened to that. And this is very important for you. In America, and ever since the printing press and other things, we have sought to, we read scripture. And so we are over scripture. We're sort of controlling scripture actually sometimes. But that's not the way it was originally. You weren't over the scripture. You sat under the scripture. And what happened to me was the scripture was voiced into my life, first person, if you will, from the Apostle Paul, and there was some life and dynamic in that that I never experienced before. Now, it was shortly after that, I remember I was on a uh, lawnmower. We had a lot of lawn to mow. It'd take a couple, three hours on this riding rig in, um, in the Midwest, and I would start to sing songs that I sort of knew. And, you know, you'd have a plan in your head, and, and uh, the songs were songs I'd sing out that maybe I knew on the radio. And then I'd say, oh, I will sing some of the Christian songs that I know. If I ask you right now, how long could you go singing uh, worship songs that you know? How long could you go? Uh, test yourself this week. You can't repeat them. Just how long can you go singing songs? And so I went for a while. And as I went for a while... 
I said to myself, I wonder how long I can go quoting scripture. And guess what? After I got past, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that if you ever believe in him, will not perish, but have eternal life. And maybe a couple more. Uh, I was done. And I felt really sheepish and guilty. How is it that I have all this music in my head, some good, some not so good, and I can recall that, but why can't I recall Scripture? Well, the reason I couldn't recall Scripture is because I hadn't set my mind to memorize it. And I remember the guy who spoke it authoritatively, and I said, you know, I have a really hard time memorizing a Scripture here, a Scripture there, whatever, and I forget the reference, that kind of thing. But I wonder what would happen to me if I tried to memorize a section of Scripture. And in my high school years and then in my college years, uh, I took the initiative to memorize Scripture. And today, I have several large chunks of scripture, even half a book. I, I want to, and it's not to impress you. I want you to know that. In fact, I always get so frustrated when, whenever there's a quoting of scripture. I quote scriptures like it's not saying, hey, look at me. No, it's this is the word of God that I want in the headspace, wallpapered in my mind, so that when I move through the day and I interact with people, I have something to grab a hold of that has some substance to it that's not weak and flimsy. And so the memorization of Scripture and all that God's helped me to do through the years, and predominantly it was in more in my younger years than it is even now, is that it's for the purpose of me living and doing life, upping my game to be able to live for Him and to serve Him, to be fully alive in Him, and to be on mission. There's a lot of not good things being spoken Every week into our life. Discouraging things. Things that make you think negative thoughts. Divisive thoughts. And I said, where's your headspace? Take every thought captive and let's align it to God. Let's hide the word of God in our heart so that we move through the day, not as some religious Jesus freak. Hey, I got a Bible verse here. I'm going to quote your Bible verse there. I'm going to thump you with this verse and thump you with that verse. No, it's for me upping my game to live life well and to gauge in service to my Jesus. How much scripture could you gain internally if you took up this uncommon practice of scripture memorization? And young people, I want to give you a word directly. I know school starts this week. There's things you're going to have to memorize to spit back on a test or whatever it may do. But the younger you start to memorize scripture, the easier it'll be without question. And the added benefit is the longer you will carry it with you through all of your life. The passage I just meant to you, mentioned to you, John 15, out of the New American Standard Bible. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. This verse is embedded in one of the early passages of Scripture that I memorized. And last night I was going through, okay, I know I'm going to get to this point and there's some practical how-tos that I want to lay out to you. I mean, they're genuine how-tos. Things like pray before you seek to memorize. 
find some method somewhere, but one that fits maybe your style. And we'll talk about a couple of those things in a second. But find a passage that resonates with you. Then read the passage, not like rote, but with life. Dramatize it, let it be dynamic. Breathe. You know, it's uh, one of the apps that you can get is the YouVersion app. And the NIV version on the YouVersion app, and just look it up, Y-O-U, YouVersion app, um, the NIV version uh, is spoken on that app if you want it. And the guy that spoke uh, the NIV version on the app was actually a, a mentor and a professor, a faculty member at the graduate school I went to. Uh, and I can hear him speaking that scripture because he memorized large sections too. Max McLean was the same. And, and Max, I remember him coming into our New Testament class and he would teach us how to let scripture speak into your life and impart how to read scripture so it has some life to it, not flat, not monotone. So there's all kinds of different things I could jump at. But friends, the time does not afford us. And I just want to encourage you that if you have aspirations to memorize scripture, I'd be glad to dialogue and interact with you on this. But last night I came back to this passage of John 15, of which this verse is embedded. And I thought, oh, I used to have John 15 memorized really well. In fact, I memorized it in a place that uh, I picked up the two chapters before, and then I memorized all the way to the end, to the end of John, John 20. And uh, I could just quote the whole thing. And then I thought, I wonder if I can do any of that anymore. And I literally hadn't looked at uh, that section of Scripture for quite a while as it relates to memorizing it and quoting it. And then I was like, oh, I would need to rehearse that. And so 7 p.m. last night, I said, I'm going to work on this. There's no reason I can't get that. Because you see what happens when you memorize something, and especially when you memorize it when it's early in your life, it really sort of stays embedded there. It stays in your hard drive somehow. And then I believe if you go back and you rehearse it and reframe it, it'll come back to you much easier. It's sort of like riding a bicycle or something like that. Oh, I know how to do this, right? And so this passage, this passage I took up last night in a late evening hour, and it reminded me all over again why I am here asking you to consider trying to do this. Because it helped me meditate on God's word. It drew me into a place of intimacy with Christ. And it amplified the Spirit's voice in my head for what I need to be doing now. John 15 is Jesus himself speaking words to his disciples before he's headed to the cross. And Jesus, there's some of the most intimate, endearing words you will find. John, uh, the 14, 15, 16, this high priestly prayer in John 17. But these are words of instructions. You want Jesus to show up? You want Jesus to speak to you right now? Well, it's in his word. And that word can be hidden in your heart. Not only that you might not sin against him, but that you may have life and you may have hope and you may have strength. And you may have communion. You may have power to serve other people better and encourage them with the voice of God. And I visualize well. I hope you can. 
Picture Jesus with his disciples, because that's what you need to do with scripture memorization. It's not just to wrote and repeat it for the sake of repeating. These are words that are being spoken to you and to me. And here's Jesus standing before his disciples. Maybe he was seated before them and he's instructing them. He's endeared to them. He knows what they're going through. They're up against persecution. They, they have opposition at every turn. He's headed to the cross. He knows that. They don't fully understand it. And he's passing off the reins, man. These are some final instructions of what they need to be doing. And so he says this. I am the true vine and my father the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. <laughs> you are already clean because of the words I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing, Carrie. Oh, that's not there, but it's there. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do, no, do, do nothing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. For by this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. You know, guys, Gary, these things I have spoken to you that my joy, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made Full. Uh, but this is my commandment, that you love one another. A greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, Carrie, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. So this I command you. Love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But you are not of the world. Because I chose you out of the world. But because of this, the world hates you. The world, it hates you. And you got, you got to understand this, that all these things are happening for my sake. Because, remember the word that I said to you, uh, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they listen to my word, they will listen to yours. Um, but they're doing this to you because of me. They're doing this to you because of me because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. 
But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works that no one else had done, they would not have sinned. But now they have both seen and hated me and my father as well. And they have done this to fulfill the word that is written in their own law. They hated me without cause. When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you will testify also because you've been with me from the beginning. And now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me where I'm going. But because I've said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. I tell you the truth. <laughs> it is to your advantage that I go away. If I go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, uh, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Hey guys, I, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take up mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he takes up mine and will disclose it to you. They came back to me, friends, last night fairly well. I worked with it. I ruminated on it today. I meditated on it. But I was at a place last night where I needed Jesus to speak to me. And he spoke to me through his word. Now, can you get that by reading the word, by studying the word? Yes. But there's something endearing that I now take that word with me. And I could break apart different ways and how I memorize different parts of that and how it comes together. And I memorize one phrase and then add another phrase kind of thing. But the thing that's most powerful to me in memorizing scripture and holding scripture is the fact that it's personal. That it's personal to me. And that, it is an enlightened word. It becomes alive. I remember when I would study scripture sitting on a large, it was called a Steiger tractor, a Tiger, 450 horsepower tractor uh, that, I, that I would help my family farm with. And we pulled big implements on it, behind it, tore up dirt. And you would sit out there and it would be fun. But you had some long days on that tractor. I remember having my 1981, I know that's dating me, right? My 1981 Urbana paperback Bible that I would take and I would flip it open beside me. And as I was driving, I would read and I would try to catch one line and memorize it. And then I'd catch another phrase. But the interesting things when I was reading these lines and trying to memorize them from Scripture, maybe that's where I memorized John 15 from, I'm not quite sure. But I would look down and I would say, oh, that's a good thought. And I would put that thought in my head and I repeat it. And then all of a sudden I say, okay, what's the next thing say? Oh, that is so good. And that ties in with this. And that's why he said this and that. See, the enlightenment of the scripture helped apply it to my soul. And it was personalized. It was personalized. 
If you have any scripture memorization system or anybody that talks to you about it, and you can Google things here and there, it'll come down to saying this, that the key of, to memorization is repetition over time. That is true. Repetition, you can't get away from it, repeating it over a period of time. And, I, you know, you can take little index cards. I know my wife, she used to have a spiral-bound index cards of scriptures she would read, and then she would try to memorize. You can have those kinds of methods. You can put a post-it note and, and repeat it in the morning. You can listen to the scripture in your car. You can headspace when you're out for a walk and try to work with all kinds of different things. Repetition over time is going to be an essential element to you being able to have scripture memorized but I want to tell you this personalized and enlightened repetition over time will be the bigger key if you're just memorizing it for the sake of saying oh I got some scripture memorized I can throw it out there used to be Bible quizzing teams when I was younger. Man, those people knew their Bible, and they would jump off the hot seat, and they'd be able to answer questions here and there. But then I would find those students maybe sometimes later on, and that scripture didn't retain with them. They were just trying to memorize it for a test. You know what that's like. But if you personalize it, and you're seeking to be enlightened by the truth in it, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, fruit that would remain. That's for me. And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Oh, that's how I can stay in His love? Is by keeping His commandments? Those two go together. That makes sense. You see what I'm saying? If you're going to have keys to memorization scripture, don't do it by rote. Just spit it back just like for a test. That didn't ever forget. Personalized it. Have it personalized and enlightened in your own soul as you do repetition over time. The act of scripture memorization increases meditation on God's word, creates greater intimacy with Christ, and amplifies the Spirit's voice inside of my head. Up your game. Up your game so that you can play well. Find a passage of scripture to memorize. Maybe may a whole book. Don't be overwhelmed by it. Just take a verse at a time. In fact, even if you just memorize a verse, watch if you memorize one verse per month, you'd have 12 verses through the course of a year. Start with something simple. Or maybe there's a whole other passage of Scripture. I thought about having you memorize James. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must complete its good work in you, so that you will be mature and complete, not lacking anything. But if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask of God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. But when he asks, you must believe and not doubt, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Such a man should know that they will not receive anything for the Lord. They are a double-minded man, unstable in all that he does. I use that one in my headspace a lot. Consider pure joy, huh? And there's a progressive thought that's there. It's enlightened. Find a scripture somewhere. I'm not going to assign you one. You find one that's dear to you. That will be meaningful. That's why the personalized aspect will be very important. I leave you with this thought, however. It comes from Philippians 4.8. It has to do with the bigger picture. If it's just not memorized scripture, it's letting truth speak into your life and speak into others as you give counsel. Finally, brothers, in Philippians 4.8, and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, 
think about some such things. God bless on this journey. It's an uncommon practice. Memorize scripture. It'll fuel your authoritative prayer. It'll fuel your relationship with Jesus Christ. And we all need to be walking closer to him in these challenging days, but these days of great opportunity. May God bless as you seek to draw close to him and his word this week. Amen. I'll see you Wednesday night if you can make it.